he went to Paris looking for answers to questions that bothered him so. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is a Jimmy Buffett lyric, since we have some flurry okay. days coming up. Uh, and we have a lot of questions that need answering after this Baku round, like, how's everybody liking the sprint? And speaking of Paris, what's the FIA going to do about that fiasco at the end of the race? Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing great. Hello from the Emerald Isle. I am in Ireland. I thought that was a t- I was going through my sort of internal um, uh, memory of Taylor Swift's lyrics to see if that's what you were you were singing. Um, interestingly, when Fernando Alonso was interviewed and asked by F1 reporters. Uh, by F1 reporter Will Buxton whether or not there was anything any truth to the Taylor Swift rumors he said he declined to comment which I think is the most amazing Fernando Alonso ass thing he could have done can neither confirm nor deny stoke uh, those fires of lies how are imagine you imagine well two things first of all you didn't even tell me where those lyrics were from because of course that's just one of many songs I know by heart uh, <laughs> second mm-hmm. uh, can you imagine like taking Taylor Swift to meet your friend Flavio. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to... Uh, support the show and get access to all that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what's going on this month danny uh, what do we say we're gonna we still haven't decided what we're doing this month have we we, we still we, haven't decided we talked about it last week we still haven't decided. what we could do is do a patron do? poll oh we love a patron poll around these parts we could do a patron poll maybe between watch a couple of different movies maybe uh yeah we, we've already done it we just came off a primer so maybe movie time could be a good idea um the primer we just did though i'm telling you no better time great little race on the weekend in indycar especially if you're an oh, f1 fan yeah. if, if you want to keep an eye on the phoenix still chasing our first win it was a nice fun race on the weekend i'll say nothing more um yeah so if you're if you're a patron or thinking about becoming it and you want to listen to us talk about indycar for, it was like two hours long wasn't it it was really it was a pretty long one um this is go a check out that primer, one yeah yeah, yeah, it's a sizable uh, racing. It's spectacle. no less than one of the best racing series in the world, and maybe the best open wheel racing oh, series oh in the boy. world deserves. Dangerous words, Rob Zachney, <laughs> to say on this podcast. Um, a massive thanks though to all of our incredible title sponsors: Toby Montana, Cyphus Training, hyphen Turf S C S, parentheses Joe M, Alex Medina. Kikaha of the Arch at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Ironstation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Altani, uh, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Hashtag Bunny Crimes, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Rompf, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Maddened Man, and Jason Kelly. Thanks, everyone. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you all patrons out there. 
and uh, we thank you for letting us jump right into this episode because we have so much to get to, so many sessions to talk about, uh, and a pre-race for the upcoming Miami Grand Prix. So, um, can I just Rob, open? You had something by yeah. Yes, there was, because I just want to take us, like, I had a moment on Friday. I had a shitty week, and Waypoint Waypoint Radio listeners may understand uh, why my week sort of took a nosedive, uh, you know, toward toward the end. But Friday rolls around, and, you know, I was so excited that there was an F1 qualifying on Friday. For a minute there, I was like, hey, hang on, I might have been too harsh on this new format. (laughs) Like relevant on track action happening on Friday. Here I am at the end of the week. Like this is fun. I like this. Uh, I was a little concerned. Like this track feels smaller than it ever has before, and it feels like like maybe it's just the tires have gotten bigger in the last couple of years. But like I was a little concerned how uh, many incidents there seem to be, and like how how many of them seem to like bring the action to a screeching halt every time it happened. But still on Friday. I was like, I was way too harsh about the sprint format. Like, I, that's my inherent conservatism leading me astray. Uh, <laughs> this could be cool. And then the rest of the weekend happened. Uh. <laughs> Rough times. Yeah, I, look, we have said for a while yeah, here, it, when will there be uh, the bad Baku? Like, we, we've all been saying it. There, Baku, any racetrack is possible about having a bad race. We've We've been sort of surprised by how good Baku has been over the years. Oftentimes, not necessarily because of the track, but just ma- stuff that's interesting tended to happen there anyway, be it like argy-bargy between Vettel and Hamilton or the Grosjean safety car crash, whatever it was. There was always something interesting that happened. So at least now we have finally figured out that Baku is human and that you can also have bad races there, apparently especially if you shorten the DRS <laughs> on, on the track. Well, let's jump right into the contentious part of it, uh, the sprint stuff. So this is the first time we're doing the sprint shootout. So to recap here, like Rob said, we had qualifying, we had practice and then qualifying on Friday. Then we had the shootout, which is sprint qualifying for the sprint, and then the sprint on Saturday, and then followed by the race on Sunday. And uh, like we mentioned in the previous episode, the sprint qualifying and the sprint are self-contained. Uh, the grid for the sprint is set by its own qualifying session, and the finish of the sprint has no bearing on uh, the grid for the race because that's set by regular qualifying, which occurred on Friday. So the sprint shootout, as it's called, the qualifying session, is like regular qualifying but with shorter sessions, meaning, um, which I, and I thought this was interesting, you don't see people pitting between fast runs. You kind of just go out there and, you know, fuel your car for the whole session. Um, We see a lot of track evolution, a lot of cars getting faster as the fuel goes down, a lot of traffic. Um, It was, it was, I thought it was pretty frenetic. What were your impressions, uh, Danny, um, of the sprint shootout? Yeah, I, I I think I watched it after the fact. I I watched highlights. I got to watch all of it was via highlights because I was bouncing around with my family here in Ireland. Um, Or sorry, I watched, I watched the, the two races full length to length, but after the fact, um, um, I don't know. I, I kind of was hoping that the shorter laps would mess up the grid a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot of conservatism. Or I was worried that there was because it's one of those tracks where if you push too hard, you might get bit like Leclerc 
you know, has actually always done really well here, but there was, of course, that famous time he clipped the wall during qualifying as well. Um, um, I was mostly just kind of really interested in what was going on at Verstappen because he just seemed to be off the pace or, and as we will talk about the entire race weekend, just frazzled or something. Just just not, like, mm-hmm. mentally there this weekend or touchy or whatever it was. There's a chicken and an egg thing here where maybe it was the on-track action that was doing that but also he he looked like everyone's still on when you see like a soccer player who's having a bad run of form and then you find out there's some like family thing that's going on it kind of i was kind of like oh why is he so off the boil this weekend like why is he so touchy and not and not really there um but that was the thing that i was kind of like looking at afterwards because i had gone into the sprint sort of already seeing what the grid was like so that was what i was interested in yeah what were your thoughts rob on the on the shootout not very good like it was i i think it was like i think this is where i started to really have some doubts about the format um the sheer number of cars that are either compromised by yesterday's running or like had incidents during the shootout that was going to compromise them for later or maybe for the race uh like the shootout was the first one where it was really disrupted right was that the one where we were getting like red flags yeah out the, two red flags yeah yeah, so Sergeant crashed at the end of SQ1 that brought out uh, a red flag. Uh, and then Leclerc set the fastest time in SQ3 and then crashed into a wall. Uh, yeah, it was just like, like it was where... And also, I just had I consistently had this feeling this weekend where either the cars are sliding in ways that the drivers haven't really like uh, gotten a feel for, or they cannot see. They cannot see the dimensions of the car, the wheels um, relative to the track, and it was causing issues here in particular because this is always a track where there are places where it's not necessarily the most challenging thing technically that you're trying to do, but your margin for error is like razor thin, uh, that the correct line has like an error bar of only a few centimeters really on, on either side. But this, like in other years, it's felt like that makes it more exciting because the drivers are right on the edge, but they're consistently on the right side of that edge for the most part, except for memorably like clipping it going into the castle. Mm. Uh, but here, this is the first year it was like, it just felt consistently like, like drivers were just thwacking the wall and being like, "How I, I clipped it, I didn't mean to," and that seemed to set a tone that was concerning. Um, I, I, I keep coming back to the size of the tires. That like the visibility maybe seems impaired, and also just the dynamics for how they wear and heat up and cool down may not be driving the most thrilling action in the races. Um, but yeah, so like there was that, and also it was just like it's the second qualifying. And I guess, you know, the point of comparison I would make is if they're looking for ways to change it up, chopping the qualifying down, I don't think is it. Uh, I think F1 might be suffering from a bit of not invented here. I think if you're looking for a different format, the indie qualifying format is superior for a, for a change of pace. Like, you do the knockout rounds, you cut yeah. the field down, and then you have your, you know, best of the best uh, battle royale. And that can generate fluky enough results where, like, you might have some like premier drivers drop out in their group stage, uh, and then you might have a, sort of an odd mix when you're doing sort of the setting the the final, the top six or the top ten of the grid. But like either way, it was like here's another qualifying, and it's a little bit worse. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you. With we need a, we need a different, a, a more different 
qualifying style. Uh, I, I, I would be up for actual shootout, like Formula E, yeah. uh, where you just you get one lap to do one as fast as you can, and then that's your time. I was worried you were like, uh, but and we're, we give them all pistols with one gun and a dagger, with one bullet and a dagger, <laughs> and we turn them loose on the circuit. I was like, I don't know, it's a, it's a certain certainly a bold suggestion, uh, but I don't know if we're there yet. Uh, the sprint finally shook out uh, like this for the the sprint grid. Charles Leclerc. Uh, qualified in the shootout with the fastest time, followed by Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. Then we've got uh, George Russell, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Alex Albon in seventh, Fernando Alonso in eighth, Lance Stroll, Lando Norris in tenth, then Oscar Piastri, Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, Zhou Guanyu, Valtteri Bottas, Nikki, uh, you, Nikki, Yuki Tsunoda, <laughs> Pierre Gasly, Nick DeVries, and then uh, Ocon required to start from the pit line because his car was modified under park Ferme conditions, and Sargent uh, withdrew from the sprint um, after crashing in the shootout. So we get to the sprint, which is a lot like whose line is it anyway. Everything is made up and the points don't matter. Uh, I saw the phrase <laughs> practice with points a lot. Uh, I think that was a Lewis Hamilton-ism, and I feel like that is how I've been thinking about it. Um, the most exciting part here, I think, was in the opening, Russell versus Verstappen. My only it's note. Speaks Rob. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It, no, I mean, that, that's it. Like, this is the only thing that made any impression. Yeah. They, the only so thing they, people they, were talking they, about after the race as well. Sorry if I'm a bit laggy it's true. from Ireland here, but yeah. It's yeah, no, it's 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 fine. We'll we'll blame it on the Atlantic. Um they go side by side through turns one, two, and three, Russell not giving an inch. Uh it, he did crunch into the side of Verstappen, opening up quite a gash uh, on his side pod, uh causing some radio frustration from Verstappen to which his engineer responded something along the lines of, you know, they've they've got nothing nothing to lose but you do. Uh, and I, this speaks to your point, Danny, about him being a little frazzled this weekend. I thought it was really interesting because it, it felt like we had been seeing a new, more mature Verstappen this year, but this this felt very much like the old one, you know, fighting tooth and nail for everything, even if it jeopardizes his championship. I yeah. disagree. Because oh, yeah. uh, here, here, here's what I would argue. I think Russell was playing the part of Verstappen a few years back. I think Russell bailed. I think Max bailed George out from an accident. I think in each of those corners, George didn't quite have it. In each of those corners, Max was making the move to like go to the edge where there was like no more room and like provide that little bit of breathing space so they didn't take each other out. I, th- I, I certainly felt like even before the incident happened, I was like, oh man, like George is almost getting these moves done, but also like Max was being pretty generous with the amount of space left. And then the third one, there was no where Max was like could could have gone at that point, and George did sort of slide over. I liked the racing. I like that people are going for these moves. The the thing I wasn't here for was like, uh, you know, Max's kind of familiar whining at this point about this kind of thing. But I think what's so funny about it is. He is also now thoroughly that he's a front runner, and he's like, "Why are we taking these chances? It's, it's totally absurd." Someone would would try to go uh, go under someone else at, at this corner, and it's not absurd at all. He used to that the moves like that used to be his bread and butter, but now he's like, "Shouldn't we all just play the percentages? This is yeah. this is irresponsible." I think up to a, I think he does have a bit of a case though because like. Consistently, George couldn't quite close the like bring those moves off, and each time it just it just felt to me like he was understeering, 
and Max was uh, backing out enough or moving over enough to prevent them from collecting each other. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 definitely like the the hypocrisy of it is 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 very easy to see, um, in that like di- diving up the inside and forcing the other driver to make the choice between backing out or there possibly being collision was Max's modus operandi, and it was because for the most part they had a car that was a half step behind that Mercedes, and he had to he had to throw it in like to make it happen and he had to be aggressive and we had a lot of conversations over the years in this podcast about you know is he being too aggressive is he is he fighting that hard because he has to and xyz and you're right we're basically in a role reversal situation where russell now is having to do this max knows that his car is basically and this is part of the problem this weekend the red bull is incredibly overpowered he's not driving anyone else he shouldn't be driving anyone else if he didn't have a gash in the side of his car he wouldn't have been worried about driving anyone else except for his teammate. But Max now is in the privileged position of being in the best car. And when you're when you're in that car, you can't drive like the scrappy underdog anymore. Unfortunately, you have to play the part of the smart, like patient professor, even if it's not sexy, even if it's and, not in your nature. And I think like his his sort of kiss off remarks to Russell after the race, where he was like, you know, next time I'll do exactly the same or something. And what's so funny about that is like, Max knows he can't. I think that's part of his frustration is he can't do that anymore because like the percentages are such that like he needs to bring those points home because he may like he and Sergio may still be like cool right now, but I think they both know that it's one of those things where probably the championship is going to be decided on consistency. Uh, yeah. Sergio's having a really good run mm-hmm. of consistency. Max isn't having a bad one, but like it's just one of those things where they're going to be, you know, it's like a home run derby uh, over at Red Bull, and that's the that's the battle they are in. But it does mean that Max can't, you know, Russell can do that because yeah, that car isn't very good, uh, really, and it certainly wasn't good here. And I think the other part of this is, I think when Max came in, driving standards were a bit more conservative. I do think Max worked a change uh, in the grid a little bit by being super aggro. And it was sort of this declaration that, like, you can move over and give me space or I'm coming through you. And I think that did, like, have a gave a psychological advantage in a lot of these encounters. But the grid has reshuffled a bit now. It's peers of his. It's people who sort of observed his career uh, a little more closely in development ranks. And a bit like, and even people like Lewis also saw what was happening, and everyone's kind of adapted to, oh, but you just have to call his bluff and show that you were willing to race him the same way, and he's not going to like that. Like once both once once both cars are willing to be like, you know, if he dies, he dies. Uh, then suddenly this style of racing is a little less fun and a little less viable. So I think that's the other part of this is. Max can't race that way uh, in the situation he is in, and also racing that way doesn't uh, yield the same like tactical advantages yes, that it did a few exactly. years ago. Yeah. Uh, also not viable racing with three wheels. We cut to on lap two, Yuki Tsunoda having shedded the rubber part of his rear tire uh, from its hub, causing it to comically roll down the hill after him. Uh, the team earned a fine for this because he had hit the wall earlier, came in for a pit stop, 
and was like, I, I think my car is damaged, but the team was like, nah, it's fine, and sent him back out. Is this the one uh, where like the, the rear axle busted. was visibly twisted back? Yeah, and... they checked him for a good couple of minutes. They were like looking at, they were kind of looking at the front wheels a bit too much. I don't and under, the back but it was wheels. so obvious from the back. Like, I guess if you're standing right next to it, maybe you don't fully see how clearly like twisted it is, but like, I feel like if you're in a one so mechanic, you should see that. Yeah. Race fans has the conversation from their radio. Uh, so he hit the wall earlier at turn 13. Uh, his race engineer says, we do a pit stop and go out again. Sunoda says, I don't think so because I already hit the wall. So no, I think it will be damaged quite a lot. Look at the right side specifically or especially. Um, he could feel After it. his wheels were replaced and the mechanics looked over the car, Sunoda was released back out onto the racetrack. We go again, Yuki. The car is good. Uh, yeah, I, what was also so, like this speaks to what Rob was talking about as well about people crashing in or like hitting the wall in place. It was such a bizarre place to hit the wall. It was like the whole was, weekend. Was, yeah, obviously with a lot in, of people clipping the inside of whatever that was, turn three or four, right? The the, the last of those left-handers. But this was like if this is one of those fake turns that's basically a straight. He's just like before turn fifteen, where people are usually hitting you know they're making that exit road comparison we had a bunch of people do it this week gasly i think did as well where you either have to like or sorry is where a sergeant crashed i think where you either have to dive down the escape road or return but he crashed like on the way up to it and then later in the in the main race i think hulkenberg also hit that wall so you know even the veterans uh, yeah. you know it's it was just very weird oh, yeah. like like rob said they i don't think they could both of the red bulls crashed everything. the wall in the race yeah you're right yeah, yeah. um well, we get a safety car for Yuki, restart on lap five, despite some floor damage from the Russell collision, Verstappen does get the place back from Russell at turn one. Uh, lap seven, Perez gets by Leclerc uh, with DRS for the lead. A few more passes, Piastri gets Norris with DRS for 10th. Piastri, by the way, with the stomach bug that he says he got through the weekend on four pieces of toast. Oh, God. So, always impressive. Uh, and then Lance Stroll, I think, with one of the more entertaining passes from the weekend, takes a Ricardo-like lunge from downtown at turn one on Albon for eighth place. The final points-paying position, and this is how the sprint ended. Sergio Perez on top gets the full eight points. Uh, and then we trickle down points-wise by one. So Charles Leclerc in second gets six. Then we got Max Verstappen in third, George Russell in fourth, Carlos Sainz in fifth, Fernando Alonso in sixth, Lewis Hamilton in seventh, Lance Stroll in eighth. So then we go to Sunday, the race grid, uh, with uh, Charles Leclerc ending up on top pole position, uh, just like he did for the uh, shootout. Uh, behind him, we'll start Max Verstappen, then Sergio Perez, followed by Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris in seventh, Yuki Tsunoda in eighth, Lance Stroll in ninth, and Oscar Piastri starts tenth. George Russell will start eleventh, followed by Alex Albon, Valtteri Bottas, Logan Sargent, Zhou Guan Yu, Kevin Magnussen, Pierre Gasly, Nick DeVries, Esteban Ocon, and Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, DeVries failed to set a qualifying time, uh, but races at the discretion of the stewards. Ocon and Hulkenberg both start from the pit lane after their cars were modified under Parc Fermé. Uh, and Pierre Gasly's car um, did well to even get to qualifying because he had a fire in practice. Mm. Uh, Danny, do you want to take us through the start? Not much to say, mate, to be honest. Yeah, um, I know. They all got there pretty pretty easily. There was a bit of fun argy-bargy between Hamilton and Alonso for those first couple of turns, especially when they like to go nice and wide then that first DRS straight after turn two. Um, but no, it was kind of ducks in a row, which 
also spoke perhaps to what the rest of the race might be. <laughs> Piastri did get hit by Albon. Uh, oh yeah, some carbon fiber. Is that is that why Stroll continues. and Russell were able to just like make mincemeat out of him at the start? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like the thing I'll say uh, is it was so evident. Like, you, like I have a sinking feeling. Uh, lap two, where they bring up the uh, it's. Yeah, it's um, it's Leclerc. It's Leclerc leading, and it's uh, it's Verstappen right behind him, right? Yeah. And they're showing the top speeds they're reaching on the straight because I was like, that doesn't look good. And they're showing the speeds, and I was like, okay, it's not quite as bad as I thought, but like the Red Bull's a little faster, and then it dawns on me that DRS isn't active. <laughs> and and they're like well you know okay that when drs goes active you know maybe he will try uh you know heading in two three and i was like no of course he's not no one like the no red bull's going to try anyone in three this week like that straight line speed are you kidding me no like threes why would you yep. risk going into that corner that nobody can figure out uh when meanwhile you could just make these people look that they're standing still on the main straight which is what happened like again and again yeah it was it was brutal how much faster that Red Bull is. Yeah, uh, different different class of straight line speed than than the Ferrari. I, like it was it, it was it was grim and it was it was over and then it was like this is now uh, well at the t- for a moment there uh, I like it looked like it was Verstappen's race to lose but you know what even before the thing happened. Perez was closing on him. It, there was a Perez Verstappen battle taking shape that I think we were actually robbed of a little bit mm. uh, because I think it might have been more interesting if we hadn't had that uh, yellow. Because once Perez got past uh, the Ferrari, he was closing. Like it looked like he was closing up on on Max, and I was curious where that was going to go. I'll say this for a minute: I thought the timing of the. Uh, Yellow, the yellow, and the fact that they will call strategy for the lead driver first. Uh, I thought that was going to work in Max's favor. Yeah, I think this points to what I'm taking as the silver lining from this weekend is that uh, Perez is a threat, um, at least right now. He's he's had a really good run of form, uh, and maybe this also speaks, Danny, to why Max is feeling a little frazzled because uh, it's not a done deal. Uh, at least as we stand at the end of the fourth round of the season. Um, Lap 10 with Verstappen reporting that he's sliding around on his tires. Uh, We cut to DeVries off the track and yellow flags being waved. DeVries clipped the wall on the apex and damaged his front left suspension. Uh, Eight seconds later, Verstappen pits. So right away, Joel Palmer on the uh, F1 commentary says, this will be bad if there's a virtual safety car or safety car and almost immediately we get a safety car uh, meaning that everyone else can pit while the rest of the field is going slowly meaning effectively they get faster pit stops than Verstappen yeah no, another um, one that lost that was Hamilton right I think he pitted did he pitted he just pitted prior or something yeah yep. before the incident yeah. that even happened not totally scuppered his, his race then yeah so 
after the fact, uh, this, these quotes from race fans, Christian Horner, team principal of Red Bull, described the decision-making process. He says, as a collective, it comes up the chain. The strategists make the recommendation. The team manager is controlling the pit stop and obviously looking at the circuit in terms of whether it's yellow or not and the probability of a safety car. The race engineer is obviously looking at it as well. So we have a process at one stage we're talking about gearing up for a double stop, which imagine that. <laughs> uh there was a quick shot of DeVries, and it was just a black set of lines, said Horner. It looked like he had outbraked himself, gone straight on, and hadn't hit the barrier. Usually if you see it in the barrier, it's a safety car. But there was no sign of him having hit the barrier, so it was only subsequently, I think, on the replays that you were able to see that a track rod was broken. So that that was it. They just saw it and, uh, and called him in. Um... As a result, Perez and Leclerc jump for Stappen in the pits. Perez taking the lead of the race and Leclerc in second. Restart on lap 13. Verstappen wastes no time jumping Leclerc for second uh, without DRS. Uh, I think that was actually in turn three. Um, yeah, and around the same time, Alonso makes a great move on the inside of Carlos Sainz for fourth place. Um, this is another kind of silver lining here. Um to this season where we initially thought like, ah, oh, the Red Bulls are going to run away with it. Fernando Alonso is being really fun to watch. Uh, and weird. And, and being weirdly like, like, yeah, like holier than thou with, or nice to his teammate. It was, no, I don't, oh, yeah, yes. not holier than thou, oh, but man. like, Chris yeah. Chandler's thought, who is this moment? <laughs> I was like, I had also had this feeling of like, wow, this dude loves rich people. Like, like maybe it's not that, but, like, they're, like yeah, yeah. when Stroll... For a minute, I was impressed how well they were coordinating. Stroll being like, I'm pulling into DRS, but I'm not attacking. And yeah. Alonzo's like, you could have I'll a go. go. <laughs> uh, you know, Hamilton's it's, wheels yeah. are graining. We could just, like, you know, we're going to get him. <laughs> and then later, he's like, tell, hey, uh, you know, tell Lance to play with the brake balance. Try, try this. Uh, it didn't work out. doesn't look like. But, <laughs> like, the... He, he's chattier on the radio, just period, uh, as he's like sort of strategizing in clear air about like the the state of the race. But then there's also this like uh, a bit like you know in early the, the early parts of the Fastbender series where it's like uh, you know uh, Felipe uh, like Lazar is is out there and they're doing lead follow mm-hmm. and there's do, there's just all these coaching sessions that appears to be happening, uh, which right. is just bizarre because like. Alonzo has psychologically tried to shatter any teammate that he's shared a garage with. And when he can't shatter them, they become like mortal enemies. This is a weird dynamic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. Um, and then, I don't know, we get some more passes. Hamilton gets Russell and Stroll for sixth place. Uh, Gasly on Botas for 18th. Um, more people clipping the wall. Stroll, the two Red Bulls. Um, lap 45, Hulkenberg gets passed by Norris for well, 10th place. Hulkenberg had such an amazing comeback race. They changed the setup, yes. but there was like a fatal flaw in the plan, which was that they were going to put him on hards at the start and they were going to wait for a safety car, but the safety car came too early. Yeah. And mm-hmm. every other session, it felt like there have been more stoppages or more yellows. There are more opportunities to like have the strategy play out. And it just did not 
come for for Haas, and they were just waiting for that opportunity. And so he went over the cliff, uh, and that entire race went for naught because you know those last few laps, effectively, he is going backwards. Yeah. Also, uh, same strategy. Esteban Ocon um, also started from the pit lane, had not yet pitted at that point, and leaves his pit stop waiting for that safety car to the very end. So late, in fact, that photographers were already starting to crowd into the pit lane and had to scamper out of the way when, surprise, an F1 car is coming. Did you, did you hear uh, the it was, Sky commentator for, commentary for this? Because they had yes, Ted Kravitz it, in Ted real Kravitz time. Ted Kravitz sounded like... Yeah, it, it, yeah, it sounded Ted like... Sounded um, the, mm. It sounded like the Hindenburg yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, call, you know? Uh, to me, it, it it looked a lot like the Stanford Cal. Uh, yeah. The band is that on the field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just wild that something like this this could could happen. Conveniently not shown on the YouTube highlights. Oh, by funny. the way. Yeah. Well, but uh, yeah, well done. I think Buckley. they showed the Ocon on board on YouTube though. I think they put that up separately. Um, oh, did they? I really? think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, apparently I watched the Ted's notebook thing afterwards. Apparently they are whoever is in charge of the that part of it has been was called to the stewards so i'm not sure what the yes issue, yeah <laughs> according to autosport the faa quote summoned its own park Ferme representatives in front of the stewards but it's another one of these cases where no rules were broken it's just that no one thought there was anything wrong with the procedure until something bad happens um, the FIA issued a bulletin saying we walked through the relevant procedures and protocol with the FIA representatives in detail and required them to take immediate steps to reconsider these procedures and protocols with the relevant stakeholders, including the Formula One management, uh, the teams and the FIA to ensure that this situation does not occur again. The representatives expressed their regret at what happened and assured us they would do so in time for the next event. Uh, Esteban Ocon, for his part, said, uh, arriving at 300 kilometers an hour, braking very late, and I see the barriers and all the people all around. If I miss the braking point, it's a big disaster. So that is a crazy it's, it's a It's also yeah. like a particularly blind pit lane because yeah. they have that little chicane thing to slow them down a little bit on the way in. Um, it is worth mentioning that like there are like sort of somewhat loosey rules around this um, with which which you will notice when you know the lead car's uh, garage will run out and and jump up on the thing right and what yeah they've been trying to tamp down on that yeah too. Uh, there's a couple of like issues reasons why it's not so crazy an issue one that garage tends to be at the end of the pit lane generally rather than close to the top because that's the order in which the it's done by the championship um uh, order um uh and but like you said even ted was making reference to that like that that usually people know if there's a mandatory stop like usually people are aware of the fact that there's a mandatory stop and they all knew for laps and laps and laps that he was going to have to come in unless you know there was a, a red flag would be the only thing i think that would get him out of that i think even if there's a something else unless the pit lane's closed i think is the only thing and i think still he might get in trouble even if he couldn't do his last Pit stop I could have the sworn they used to have a rule where you couldn't have the one tire, the one lap you did on a uh, on tire compound be your out lap. Be that right you had to do a, a lap at race pace uh, on on the tire uh, for it to qualify for the race. I could have sworn they used to be like a rule where like yeah. you couldn't do this thing where you would stop on the like literal last lap, drive on the new tire, 
and then bring it in. There was uh, the there was the Schumacher rule where right. he pitted, but he crossed the line before he pitted. Thing he crossed the line in the in, finish yeah, line. Yeah, in in the pit lane. Yeah, so or yeah, the pit lane. Uh, yeah, weird, weird moment. Uh, I do hope they fix that. Uh, but the race ended like this. Sergio Perez taking the full 25 points. Max Verstappen in second. Charles Leclerc rounding out the podium. Fernando Alonso finished in fourth, followed by Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Lance Stroll, George Russell, who pitted late uh, to set the fastest lap of the race. Uh, Lando Norris in ninth and Yuki Tsunoda in 10th. Behind them, we've got As- uh, Oscar Piastri, Alex Albon, Kevin Magnussen, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, Logan Sargent, Nico Hulkenberg, Valtteri Bottas, and then the two DNFs of Zhou Guan Yu, uh, which I don't remember why that happened, uh, and uh, Nick DeVries. I think it was just retirement. I remember like seeing him pull in, I want to say, and they were just like kind yeah. of calling it. But uh, I think you know, the last answer about the Sprint Weekend is... For, like it wasn't just that, like all the races were kind of boring. Like Baku didn't Baku didn't bring the heat uh, this time, and I, I think one issue with the sprint format is also that it turns out if you take tire strategy out of an F one race, uh, the odds of it being interesting are very very low. Like the the sport and the tires are sort of tuned to work together to create interesting action and strategy. And if you eliminate that, which the sprint largely does, you don't have a particularly dynamic race. I think it's way easier to follow a processional when you still have the curveball factor of, of like the pit cycles uh, you know, in play. Take that out, it becomes you know much less interesting, even if the cars are fundamentally doing the same thing. But I think my biggest issue is just, well, one, I guess, there's too much shitty racing. This is a big part of it. It was just like it was a lot of it was a lot of my weekend watching races that I'm not particularly engaged by. But yeah. two, it had no sense of arc to it. Like I was I was shocked by how much on Sunday. I was like, what happened yesterday? What 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 was, what was Saturday? Couldn't really remember. Didn't ma- didn't matter and didn't feel like it mattered to the race either. It was like this weird thing of like Saturday doesn't Saturday is so self-contained that it doesn't become part of the weekend in a weird way. I don't know. It's just like there, there's yeah. no sense of like building action to the weekend. Uh, it just kind of felt like there was a race. There was a day that didn't matter, and there were two days that kind, that kind of did. Yeah, and I think it's actually worse because of it, because it dilutes, for me personally, I think it dilutes the interest I have in the race. Like we had three weeks. I should have been jonesing for this race, right? But then by the time we got there, I was like, I've seen so much Baku. All right, let's let, I guess I'm watching this race now. Yeah. Yeah, There was a couple of things that I had a problem with. One, the sprint race ended up being like a real telegraph of the strategy for the main race. Like you could Hmm. tell what Red Bull, how Red Bull were going to win the, the Grand Prix just based on how they attacked the sprint race. Like, it was it was funny, because I remember we were talking about how, oh, if they have less practice time, perhaps that's the thing that will shake it up. But actually, it turns out um, doing a shorter race is actually a really good practice for the race. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe too much. Um, I do also think that there is a particular environmental um, uh, issue with this track, and also maybe something more worrying about this year's cars 
is that one all the drivers complained that they had really bad dirty air following people which is what the new regs were supposed to have mostly gotten rid of and now maybe that we're so far from that moment we've forgotten that that's supposed to be the case but that was a massive issue and two they had shortened that drs um zone i would presume not because of red bull or anything i doubt that would that would seem like a sporting mishap but i it was presumably they had been talking about shortening drs and generally trying to move away from drs over a slow period of time perhaps because of the new regulations but what happened was you gave you created a track where the only car that could use DRS was Red Bull because they were so powerful in it. And nobody else had, because of the dirty air and because of the slower, um, the smaller DRS, um, they couldn't overtake. So it was just, it was even more in Red Bull's favor this time around. So I think, uh, you know, Baku had it sort of, maybe shortening the DRS didn't help it, but there does seem to be a sort of maybe more worrying issue when it comes to the car's not being able to follow each other in dirty air again, which I'm interested in uh, just how that happened and whether that's something that's worse this year than last year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That, that I had noted that, but I'd, I'd sort of like not fully appreciated the ramifications of what some of that driver feedback was, which is like, historically, the, the engineers have always clawed back. You, you take away aerodynamic downforce, they find a way to get it back on. Um, and it just happens again and again. That's always been the war. And... It could be that once again we've had an off season where the engineers have found it and it is creating bad wash uh, for for following cars. Um, I yeah, for me I just keep going back to the tires too. There's something like they're not driving interesting action. They seem to be either they're making drivers struggle in ways that are not terribly interesting. Like I think part of it is like the cars are so big that when the drivers are struggling, there's kind of a wallowing quality to a modern F1 car um, that is not is as fun to watch uh it might also just be that the whole three compound system has created too much of a smooth gradient in like right. tire performance that mm. you know again comparing to indy i come back again and again to it's very rare that both those tire sets are good sometimes it is sometimes it's like the reds and the blacks are are, are both fine and you know people can feel like they can race on both but when that happens it's almost a surprise to the engineers a lot of times there's a strong sense of like we have really coarse grained instruments that we can apply to this course and how we use them is going to be really significant and what our tire strategy is is going to bear a lot on like how the the race unfolds and here it just kind of feels like everyone converges on the same array of tires and uh like you get the same performance characteristics off them uh you know from car to car uh it just kind of matters how 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 fast is the baseline of the car and what you don't get is a sense of anyone's doing anything very different from one another in ways that are creating interesting clashes of strategy. Which uh, you could uh, look at the Astons. Like their whole thing is that they're great on degradation and they could not play with the Ferraris this week at all because the hard was just so good. Like Carlos Sainz, they were like, no, we think plan A is going to be okay. Like, just keep going. Like you'll last the whole race. And then the Astons had no (coughs) way back into the race as a result, you know. Well, uh, I do have one issue of contention here. There was good racing this weekend in F1 Academy, <laughs> uh, as we mentioned. <laughs> and a lot last, of it. 
and a lot of it. Uh, last weekend or last episode, we mentioned uh, that uh, F1 Academy uh, is starting uh, this past weekend. Uh, F1 Academy is the uh, Formula One feeder series um, for women. Uh, it is aiming to get uh, female drivers into uh, Formula Three. Um, so we there was confusion uh, whether it would be live streamed uh, or, or televised at all. Uh, it was not. Um, the YouTube comments on this uh, highlights video on F1's YouTube channel are livid because uh, they did film it and there yeah, is a commentator. It's as, it's as well so, produced as Formula 3 and probably Formula 2 is. It's like it's got... It doesn't have the timing stand on the true. graphics, which yes, I which people wish they would add. About, yeah. But the, the lack of live streaming to me just strikes me as a, a TV rights issue yeah. at this point. Like they haven't secured a partner yet. Uh, but like, come on, you gotta just put it on YouTube or Mother's Polish. There's a chance for the most sexist ad campaign and placement opportunity in history. Wow. Maybe that's wow. what it was. Yeah, but it was great to see. Like, also three races was crazy because you watched that highlights video, and after like a quarter of the video, it the race is over, and I was like, oh, is the rest of this interviews? And then it was like post-race interviews. No, we got two more. Next races. race, go. Next race, go. And it was fun. It reminded me a lot of watching like F3. Um, uh, or like European Formula 3 or something where it's it's racy like everyone's like going first there's action everywhere there's some you know weird moves maybe you know what I mean like there's that am- uh-huh. like they're, they're obviously professionals but they're on the lower end so there's that adds an element of chaos that's quite fun like somebody slowed down like college in the, sports yeah, yeah yeah totally so someone like to kind of slow down maybe a little bit too much on a turn and it ended up having this interesting concertina where people had to figure stuff out so it's cool and and Spielberg's a good track for it too as well I think it's um it's a it's a fun track and um plenty wide and it just shows you how like you get overtakes like the tracks when you're driving in cars that aren't as fast as Formula One cars the tracks are really long because you know yeah. you don't go as fast so it, it's interesting watching just how much when you see people overtaking on the way to a corner and then having a different overtake at the corner it's it reminds you of how much how racy racing can be and just tends to not be when you're going you know 250 miles an hour all the time right uh well i hope they figure that out because uh i think there's like 150,000 views on the youtube video so yeah people are interested so it's good it's uh, comparable to f2 highlights for sure there, I just like I had sort of missed this until it hadn't occurred to me until just now. But there was a piece of news that dropped like in sort of an awkward place between our last show and the race. Uh, Franz Tost being pushed out at AlphaTauri. Um, what? Oh, and yeah, yes, it's and, not, and, dude. It's not amicable. Like oh, this is, it, is it is not good. So this is so there There's was this the, like the Ferrari guys in over there, right? That's Everyone's true. like, "Where's Mekis going?" And yeah. is is Ferrari basically burning down in the background of this? Who knows? Uh, but Mecki Me- is leaving, and he's going to AlphaTauri. And apparently, like the announcement of it was not like Toss's choice. Um, and it like it really it really seems like like uh, Franz Toss is being just shoved out the door. Um, which is wow! I completely missed. He's this. in an advisory role or something, isn't he? But, but like, yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, it, but like, it's it's a real it's a real curveball because like, you know, I mean, we saw him drive to survive. What was it a year or two ago? Where you know, Christian is talking about how Yuki needs that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 
the final of, white glove yeah. Franz Toss treatment to sort of bring him up to, to standard. And I mean, he had like, you know, he, he is kind of that, that team in a lot of ways, but there have been signs that something's like slipped loose uh, in that organization. Like Franz Toss two weeks ago or a month ago at this point, talking about like, I don't trust my fucking engineers. These guys suck. And they said the car would be good and it's trash. So like, it's clearly that like the 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 vibe shifted, as they say, over at uh, AlphaTauri, and it's not like the like most uh, like spiteful breakup we've seen in racing. But also, this is a far cry from like a gentle like valedictory uh, tour through F one. Like uh, tossed as being pretty pointed that like didn't like how it's being handled uh you know didn't like that the news leaked didn't like that the announcement was rushed in response to the leak uh and fundamentally doesn't seem totally happy with the fact that like it's come to this um even though he did see in one interview did sort of you know make make the remark that you know i'm 67 and Mm. i always knew that uh he said i made it clear that sorry this is a really interesting way to to put it uh, it was my decision, and it started two years ago. Discussed it also with Dietrich Mateschitz in those days, because I'm now 67 years old, years old, and I made it clear that at 70, I would not be any more in the pit lane. This I made very clear, and now I'm going into the 70s. It's time to say goodbye. Uh, it makes me think he thought he would hang it up at age 70, <laughs> and not that like, what if 70 could be now? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's also like four races in. Like nobody's making those changes four races into a season, <laughs> unless unless there's there's some you know ex- extraneating factors or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, if there's no more news and there doesn't appear to be too much, uh, let's take it to Miami, Danny. Yeah, Miami. Welcome to my Miami, like Will Smith's backup singers said in that one song. Um, in Big Willie style, an album Timely. I bought when I was probably mm-hmm. 15 years, 12 years old. Uh, we're going back to Miami, the Hard Rock Stadium complex in the Miami Gardens, also known as the Miami Dolphins parking lot. This is a 57 lap race. It's the second year we're having it. Last year was its inaugural uh, Grand Prix. Um, and I hate to say it, but I don't much rate this circuit. <laughs> Last year's race was novel because <laughs> it was the first time we were there. Had that weird little bit where they cross over the road. It's it had interesting camera angles because there's like a highway beside it. The boats. They had fake. They had Are the, the boats back. Boats. The fake marina. I don't know if the fake marina is back. They could be filling in the fake sand right well, now. Well, remember it just flooded. That's a good point. Yes, it could be a real marina at this stage. Um. No, this is a, you know, it reminds me of a Formula E track where it's just like a big parking lot and you just make up a bunch of turns. There are three DRS zones on this. One of them is super small on the start-finish race. Then there's a sort of a, a one at the end of Sector 2, and then there's the main one at the end of Sector 3. And those constitute the three places where you will see overtaking. Um not much maybe last year on turn one uh, i think alonzo had one where he, he had a bit of contact with uh, i think it was sonoda um turn 17 is where we saw most of them which is the long straight long drs right before the end of there's only 19 turns on this track um and that's generally where where people did it last year's race was a bit of a snooze 
fest, honestly. The only thing I can really remember is Lando Norris had a big off because he, I think he got a, he got his rear, one of his rear tires got touched up and he got he got hit there, but, and he spun off. But um, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of this one, and like obviously it speaks to the whole we're trying to expand the American market, but you know, last year we were saying there were. There are plenty of circuits in, you know, Florida, let alone America, where you could do this. And maybe building one in a car park like you did in Vegas isn't the coolest thing in the world. They've obviously tried to gussy it up a bit, and they tried to make a big deal about it, and they did a lot of fanfare. But I suspect this is going to be a circuit people don't like, and it also makes me worried about Vegas more and more and more and more, because that's kind of what Vegas is as well. I mean, that's more of a street circuit, because it's literally on, at least some of it's on roads, but... Um, yeah, I wish I could be more optimistic about this week's race, but I, I'm not a massive fan. I think Miami's getting up in a weird place where, like, I was like, it was very tedious last year. The whole like, well, the hype was real. It was crazy. Like, what a triumph! We got so many, we got tons of rich people in a place, and it was glamorous, <laughs> and it was and like, yeah, that's what that's why you take a race to Miami. That's why you that's why you do that. But I think the problem is there's a real good chance that Vegas is going to be the good one of these. Like, if, mm. if the two things are on offer, like, where would you rather go? Uh, it might be about a par, but one of these things is on the strip. One of these things is, like, in the heart of the action, and it's sort of, like, woven into all the reasons you go to Vegas. And, you know, there's, there's, a, like, there's a lot of ways, like, right there as part of your race weekend to, like, make that, make all, spending all that money feel good. And I think if if you know like I think Vegas kind of can't fail uh, even if it is not the right. most dynamic race the because yeah the whole point is going to get those cars uh, like in the heart of Vegas and have the the race concentrated there and I think if that's if that succeeds I think Miami ends up in an odd a bit of an odd place where it's like it's the lesser of the two like gimmick races um, and. It's not going to be a very like exciting one to attend. Uh, at the very least, Vegas has night has uh, the nighttime going for it. Like, yeah. I think that's that's like this is going to be. You're going to be sitting there watching cars go around a car park, and maybe you'll be doing that in Vegas too. But it'll be nighttime, and the cars will be backdropped against shiny the lights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that might uh, make it a little more interesting is the chance of rain. Ooh. Uh, qualifying day looks to be about 20% and uh, race day 30%. Um, Florida is one of those places where uh, the showers are unpredictable and uh, brief. Um, humidity 60% with 86 degrees Celsius. That's going to be gross. That's uh, 30 degrees. I'm sorry, 80 degrees Fahrenheit, 30 degrees Celsius. Um so yeah, it's gonna be disgusting, uh, but maybe we'll see some rain there. Um, but before we head into Miami, let's look at the driver standings here. Max Verstappen is on top with 93 points. Sergio Perez, his teammate, has 87. Uh, Fernando Alonso is in third with 60 points, followed by Lewis Hamilton with 48. Carlos Sainz with 34. Charles Leclerc and George Russell both have 28 points. Uh, Lance Stroll's in 8th with 27. Lando Norris has 10. Nico Hulkenberg in 10th place with 6. Then we have a four-way tie between Oscar Piastri, Valtteri Bottas, Esteban Ocon, and Pierre Gasly with 4 points. Zhou Guanyu and Yuki Tsunoda in 15th both have uh, 2 points. 
Alex Albon and Kevin Magnussen both have one point, and Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries, the rookies, both have zero. In the constructor standings, Rebel Racing is on top with 180 points. Aston Martin is in second with 87. Uh, Mercedes is in third with 76. Ferrari is in fourth with 62. And then McLaren in fifth with 14. Alpine's got eight. Haas, Gina's and team, have seven. Alfa Romeo has six. Alfa Tauri has two. And Williams has one. If you would like to join uh, the leaderboards, you can over at uh, the Shift F1 uh, Fantasy League with the link in the show notes. Uh, from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, the podium looks like this. Uh, paying the stroll toll uh, at uh, third place. Uh, second place is Formula One. Oh, nice. Very good. Uh, and then uh, first place is a, a team name I don't want to read. Uh, and then th- overall, the podium looks like this. <laughs> Third place, porpoising for a purpose. Uh, number two, bankroll. And number one, mullets go zoom. Clearly Beautiful. a Valtteri Bottas fan. Uh, you can send us an email if you want, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials using the links in the show notes. That's us around the internet. Danny, do you want to take us around the world? This one goes out to my mom who's in the next room. Let's race around the way. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, F1 Academy is racing again this weekend with uh, their second round in Spain at the Valencia Circuit. Ricardo Tomo. Tormo? <laughs> uh, Super GT is in is at Fuji Speedway uh, in Oyamacho, Suntogun, Shizuoka Ken. That's the prefecture. Mm. Uh, World Superbike Championship is at the Barcelona Catalonia Circuit for the Catalonia Rounds. Uh, Formula E is in Monaco. Maybe you've heard of it for their Monaco E Prix. We have the Craftsman Trucks at the Kansas Speedway for the Heart of America 200. Uh, The Motocross Grand Prix, also in Spain. So much happening in Spain this weekend. Um, For the Motocross Grand Prix of Spain at Xanadu. (laughs) Amazing. And we got NASCAR. Also in the heartland, Kansas Speedway for the Advent Health 400. Get your advent calendar. <laughs> there's corn in it. Maybe there's health care behind there's this one. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Keep opening the doors. Oh, no. It's a bill. <laughs> Pre-existing. Oh, uh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, Formula One is this weekend, Friday, May 5th. Uh, Miami kicks off. Uh, free practice one. It's a normal race weekend this weekend. Uh, 2.30 p.m. local or Eastern Time, that is, on ESPN2. Free Practice 2 is at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Saturday, May 6th, Free Practice 3 is at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, followed by qualifying at 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And the race, everyone, Sunday, May 7th, at 3.30 p.m. on ABC, over the air. Break out the rabbit ears. Uh, Final thoughts on Baku, Danny. Um, Final thoughts, I don't have my book for the date um, mm. uh, but I did find out that everyone <gasps> can go to ESPN and somehow I did it via Google they do have an on this day maybe it's for every sport but I literally found one that says May 3rd down the years and it has given me four stories wow. 
I'm picking the shortest one because it's Great. very funny. In 1949, okay. this day in F1, Dutch driver Boy Hadji was born in Amsterdam. <laughs> he made almost no impression in F1, only qualifying in three of the seven Grand Prix he entered and then failing to finish in any of those. His first entry at the 1976 Dutch Grand Prix was in a privately run Penske. The story goes that he was outside the qualifying time only for associates to distract the officials and alter his official time to sneak him onto the grid. (laughs) So, hey, you don't have to be good. You just need to have good friends. Wow. And the, Uh, the refs have to be like wrestling, pro wrestling refs. Yeah, that's like something out of like a... Yeah, like something out of a like a like a uh, American teen movie or something. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, final thoughts. Yep. Yeah, little Baku was a. I hope it's not a canary in a coal mine for what's going to be. We were already worried about the Red Bull dominance, but if nobody can overtake anyone, then I I can't imagine Miami is the best place to go next. If that maybe is a problem, um, I don't think they'll shorten the DRS straights this weekend. <laughs> Uh, final thoughts, Rob? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't what I hoped uh, on a number of levels. And I had been, I keep going, I run hot and cold in the sprint races. And it's one of those things where if, if you get two good races at a weekend, then it's like it doubles your fun, right? But if it's not going to be a good race weekend, it's, it's twice the crap. And I think this is... I, I think by this certainly made me suspect, uh, that especially with this new format where it's completely divorced from the actual like Grand Prix uh, and there is no like carryover effect, it really just begins to feel like uh, more but not better. And uh, yeah, have real misgivings about the format and kind of like what this this heralds for the season. Well. Uh, we'll see if things can turn around at Miami. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.